The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Nice to see you again. This is the fourth fourth night uh, out of five, an introduction to mindfulness meditation. My name's Kodo. This is Tanya. It's a real pleasure to share in this. I'm, I'm noticing as I say that, it's a pleasure to share in this in a way that is, it's a, it's a sense of pleasure that is more like well-being or more like a deeper sort of happiness than the pleasures of chasing after and getting what we want. So settled, so nice. So these last weeks, just to situate us, these last weeks we've been giving a sort of progressive instruction in mindfulness meditation. And the way we've been doing it is um, beginning, in a sense, at the center of our experience with our breathing. Using this very simple faculty of attention Direct, direct to the breathing. Settle in with the breathing. Find a home or a companion with the breathing. And then gradually, with that basis, including more and more of our experience. In this, in this mindfulness meditation, nothing is left out. Everything is included. So we've extended from breathing. Then we included the body. And to emphasize with the body this feeling, sensing, awake, aware through the body, sensing that kind of sensibility, this body alive, it's wondrous. So including, including the body in our, in our wise attention and then opening the circle even a little wider to include emotions. Wise relationship to emotions, such a rich territory, gives so much um, color and shape and beauty to our lives. And part of our task is to learn to train how to relate wisely to our emotions. So one of our instructions last week with regard to mindfulness of emotions was a sort of guideline to, um, to aim toward a very simple relationship with one's emotions. The idea here is that uh, the emotions will come, part and parcel of our human life. If they're uncomfortable, if they're uncomfortable, that may be like uh, getting pricked with a dart, or the metaphor is an arrow. The emotion itself, if it's uncomfortable, that's like the first arrow. And then how we go about complicating it with our interpretations, our reactions, our responses, identification, just layer after layer, making what was one arrow into two, two arrows into three, into four, and on and on and on. So as best we can to use our wise attention to recognize, oh, I'm adding, I'm adding difficulty to this direct experience of emotion and to return as best we can to a simple relationship. And Tanya introduced um, some of the ways that we can do that using this acronym, RAFT. 
one R, one A, one F, and two T's. Raft. Each could be thought of as um, different ways to relate wisely to emotion. And they all kind of work together. So the R was to recognize. Simply to recognize, oh, there's an emotion here. Maybe to recognize what it is. A is to allow or accept. And I like to think of allow or accept as um, not having any conflict with the fact that this emotion is going on. Not being in conflict. It is indeed true, this emotion has arisen. And then F, feel. Just what we were practicing with mindfulness of the body. How is it that this emotion is showing up in and through the body? Through the language of the body, what's being said? Recognize, allow, feel. And then the T, tease apart. I love this image that Tanya used of a a tapestry. A tapestry made up of many, many threads. And as as we hold or attend to this emotion with care, even if you rub it between your fingers, maybe these threads start to loosen up and show themselves the different colors. You can see green for green and red for red, and so on. And this whole process is supported by the last T, trust. Trust. One of the things we can trust is that the body is always experiencing in the present moment. If we can be in contact with the body, we know we're right here, and we're receiving the resource of right here and right now. So recognize, accept, feel, tease apart, and trust. Some of the, some of the guidance we talked about last week. And I'm really interested to hear how it went for you. Anyone who was practicing over the week? Um, anything you might have done with this raft practice or anything you want to report in your sitting, questions you have, or if you had an experience of what we talked about, riding out an emotion. If you felt an emotion arise, set yourself down and be still and just say, I'm going to sit here (laughs) and ride this out. So anything you'd like to share, please. Um, So I wanted to share that... um, It's very useful for me, and I've been trying the techniques I learned in the first three classes. And I already had familiarity with trying to feel my emotions from other practices. And um, it's just really liberating, because, for example, one of the things that's been a long time in the background, it's been different types of fear, like social anxiety or dreading things. And um, today I uh, did my meditation practice, and it was just really amazing to feel the fear, feel my heart beating fast, and just sitting with it. Hmm. And then afterwards, I just felt so liberated, even like um, 10 minutes later, and for the rest of the day, I was able to be just more present to other things Hmm. and enjoy things and... um, yeah, just even doing my work, I was enjoying that as well. So, yeah, thank you for teaching us. Wow, wow. <laughs> I, feel, I feel so much uh, joy for how that's happened for you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. I don't know if anyone else feels that, but it's like it puts encouragement in the room to, to hear a story like that. Thanks. Yeah.
Great observations. Maybe there were other things that came up. Maybe questions or even challenges. Um, I find that I have, if I look really closely, I have a lot of aversion, especially to any kind of discomfort. So it's almost like it's an automatic thing for me to um, think of something else or so. um, And it's mostly with um, subtle things. If it's a strong feeling in my body, I usually will try to um, let it go through my body. But it's, it's those subtle things that happen more often where I just find there's a lot of um, conditioned mind habit aversion. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's so fortunate that you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing a process, is what I hear, and, and discerning. Um, yeah, what, I'm, what I'm hearing is that there's this experience of discomfort and aversion and it seems like you're getting closer to it and seeing that there, there's, a, there's a variety of aversion that you can stick with pretty easily in another where um, it's almost like because it's subtle, uh, it, it doesn't register that, oh, there's aversion here and I'm, I'm going to slip away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I hear you feeling it in your body and returning, returning to your body, and that's exactly the practice. It's, it feels... It registers for me as akin to the way we train with the breathing. Frequently there's a, a part, a place in the breathing cycle where we tend to lose contact. Often at the very end it gets really subtle and soft. So the instruction there, just as the instruction I'm, I'm thinking about for this ang- uh, aversion that you're working with, when you, when you notice you're in that field where the slip usually happens, What's a way you can give just like a half a notch, tiny little bit of deliberate energy to hang in there just a little longer? And that intention will uh, sort of work itself through the practice. Thank you. Thank you. Sounds like it's going great. I have a little question. Um, I notice that um, quite often when there's a lot of thinking going on, um, and I, I ask myself, so what's, is there an emotion? Is there something underlying? And usually, like 90, 90% of the time, I don't feel anything. So there's this resistant no, we're not going to go there. <laughs> or I don't know, I would call this, we're not going to go there. <laughs> but no. I don't know what it is, actually. <laughs> like, we're staying here, <laughs> in the thinking realm. <laughs> and, and then I feel like it's like a war. Mm. Oh. I feel, and so what I do is I'm, 
I'll shift in my body and I feel this, I would, I would call it resistance at the body level. Yeah. I, it's not pain, which is in some specific place, but it's kind of like this tension everywhere. And so, but one thing that I tried deliberately recently, what if I just kind of generate a thought, like I voluntarily think about something, like I know what things I, what topics I usually, you know, my mind goes to. So what if I just seed something that I know is emotional for me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of intense. So I just recently, yesterday, I just kind of thought about I was not home and I thought about the stove. Did I turn off? <laughs> I, I, I knew I turned off the stove. I made a mental note, but I just kind of thought about it and I felt this wave of fear through my body, like it was pretty intense. Yeah, but the interesting thing is that it's not it's not easy to you know to go there or like to even you know it's just thinking and thinking is wants to be there and i feel like i'm emotionless mm-hmm. very often mm-hmm. do you have a comment mm-hmm. thank you for describing your process feta um so one just drop in the bucket thought is um, the resistance is worth spending time with itself. So um, when, when the time is right and you have a thought come up and you're sort of, oh, what's the emotion or is there emotion? What do I, f-? even just starting with, if I have this thought, can I feel where it lands in my body? So um, maybe even getting rid of the what am I feeling, but just go thought, oh, okay, when I have this thought, what do I notice, anything, attention? Oh, a little bit here. That's, you know, and you might not notice where you feel it until the next thought comes, because then you, you know. So, but just, so that's one thing, just starting to track how a thought impacts your body. The other is... When you feel like, because you felt that resistance, it's very clear that you felt by trying to turn toward their emotion, something was saying no. So that right there, you can just, that is an, an emotional response. And so just giving that some space, like, oh, being with the resistance, feeling the resistance. Where do you feel it? You're like, because it has a purpose. It has, it's in trying to protect you or it's, you know, trying to defend from something we're afraid of. So maybe getting to know that and, why, you know, like being curious. Oh, wow, this is so quick to come up. I can't even feel what I'm feeling. Oh. <laughs> so that that is uh, maybe the emotion that's the most immediate, actually. There might be other emotions, but they're not activated at the moment. The emotion that's activated is the is behind the resistance great great a lot of times i think um resistance is really important to pay attention to sometimes we're trying to practice with something and 
you know, we know we're sad or upset or um, we know that this thought isn't good for us, but there's resistance to anything going deeper or changing it. And so just being with that resistance can reveal a lot. So we don't need to run away from resistance. It's actually also can be thought of as how we're clinging, how we're wanting things to be different than the way they are. And there's a lot, that's a beautiful place to hang out. It's really working with the first noble truth. And then it can help us kind of recognize the second noble truth or the cause of our clinging. What is it we're resisting, which is we want different, right? So where are we for time? A couple more minutes. Okay. I was just going to invite, even if you haven't been in the class, you know, haven't been attending, maybe you've watched on YouTube, YouTube or not, but if you had a question about working with emotions, now is a great time to ask it. Um, otherwise, we can move. Tonight's topic is mindfulness of thinking. And I just want to invite you to do an imaginary exercise to start. I'd like to imagine yourself as a young child, like really little, two, three. And I'd like to imagine story time with whoever you feel felt safe with and cozy with as a child. Imagine that one of your favorite books was brought out and the name of the book is You Are Not Your Thoughts. (laughs) Imagine being read this book from the time you were two or three years old. You are not your thoughts. You open up and you see this beautiful little baby in this picture and it says thoughts come and go. They never last long. One minute they're here, the next they're gone. Imagine learning that. That little Right? And then, and then you read the next page, and it says, When you look up at the clouds in the skies of blue, try to see the whole sky as the p- clouds pass through. The clouds are like thoughts. The sky is like you. Can you imagine if you've been taught this? And you knew this your whole life, that you are not your thoughts, that thoughts come and go, that they move through, and that 
awareness itself is like the sky and knowing we can know the thoughts the clouds can move through our sky move through our awareness what if you really knew that now because somebody had been reading you this book for all those years be pretty cool Here's another book I'm going to read you a little bit from. It's called Can't Stop Thinking. It's by Nancy Collier. And um, the subtitle is How to Let Go of Anxiety and Free Yourself from Obsessive Rumination. She's clearly a meditation practitioner. She's endorsed by Sharon Salzberg and Tara Brock and others. And um, so... She she didn't get she wasn't read this story either when she was a kid. But she writes about some an experience that I'll share with you. I'll read you a couple of paragraphs from the beginning of her book. And the title of this introduction is Addicted to Thinking. She said it was a magnificent let me do this actually. I think it will help. It was a magnificent spring morning, and I was walking in the park near my home. Well, that's not really true. I was walking, yes, but not exactly in the park. I was oblivious to the colorful flowers blooming, the warm sunshine, the smell of cut grass. I was missing all of it, having disappeared inside my own head into my own personal prison, thinking... No matter how delicious that May day may have been, I wasn't experiencing it. I was trapped inside my mind, obsessing about what was not working in my life, replaying and rethinking the same problems I'd been replaying and rethinking for years. And then something remarkable happened. My inner lens spun on its axis, Instead of being inside my thoughts, I was now the one looking and listening to my thoughts. Instead of being inside my thoughts, I was now the one looking at and listening to my thoughts. Can you see the shift? Yeah. Can you feel into experiences where you've gone from being inside the thought to being able to witness. Great. Great. So that's, that's what we want to support in our practice with mindfulness of thinking, is the connection with awareness, being aware of thinking as it's occurring, or as it's starting, sometimes we get lost, and then as it's ending or later, we start to become more aware because we, it's a little firm, it's like there's not a firm boundary between the thinking and being aware of it. We can absorb into it and we can come out of it, right? There's no fixed line that helps us keep that boundary or the awareness, aware, 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 right? 
Another way um, to think about this that's often talked about is foreground versus background. So, you know, when the, the letting the thoughts be more in the background, right? When, we're, when we have a little more awareness, the thoughts can be a little bit more sort of in the background. That can help us not get so merged with them. I think um, another really important thing to start to pay attention to when we're working with thinking is there's, there's two things that I find people tend to do. I do, we do. One is to try and change the thinking. Another is looking at our relationship to the thoughts. So sometimes it feels like there's more we can do. It's a little easier in a way to like, I'm, I'm going to get really busy trying to change the way I'm thinking. I want to be have more kind thoughts, or be more supportive, be less critical. And that all helps. That all helps. And we're still kind of merging with the thinking often in that way. So... Another way to try and relate to thoughts is actually to look at our relationship to the thinking, to notice we like this thought. We don't like that thought. I am this thought. This is me. This thinking is who I am. This is all a reflection of our relationship to our thoughts. This is how it should go, (laughs) right? These are all ways that we relate to our thoughts. And um, many of those ways I just described lead to a merging, an agreeing, and a, a building with the thinking, right? So there's another thing to think about is there's thoughts, which are like the clouds, and then there's the thinking, which is like a chain, little engine that can, you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. There's this energy of of keeping it going. So it's a lot easier to be mindful of thoughts than it is to be mindful of the thinking. Make sense? But to be mindful of the thinking, well, that's, you know, we're usually starting to get in it, become it, to merge with it. So, um, but noticing this, noticing when you feel like the little engine that could, you know, that's, that's climbing up the hill with those thoughts, pumping them out. Oh, I'm actively thinking. Pretty much means I'm bought in, I'm, in, I'm buying in, it's me, I'm, I'm agreeing, I'm working on it. And so uh, then we can sort of, in that moment, there's a way to shift. Oh, okay, how do we like let it, ourselves open up a little bit around the thinking. Oh, there's this thought. Oh, there's agreement. More like watching, like the clouds. And then what happens is when we're not so engaged with them, they start to lose their momentum. They peter out. They dissolve. They transform. Guess what? A new, more tempting thought will come up. (laughs) 
you know, it's, it's sort of a, a wonderful thought-making machine in here, and its intention is to engage us. The work is in learning how to witness, and, you know, when we're sitting on the cushion, as much as possible, to watch and not become the engine that powers it. So some of the, you know, one of the things that's um, easy and nice to say is, I'm not my thoughts. Remind ourselves. You know, we all we have so many thoughts every day, and many of them are repetitive. But there's no one thought that is going to capture who you are. Sometimes you have thoughts you don't even agree with. Yeah. So how is it you are a thought? How can I be that thought? Right? So it's helpful to kind of work on seeing, thinking as part of my experience. But it's not who I am. I'm not my thoughts. In this book, uh, the woman has a question that I really liked. She said, ask yourself, What if I am not my thoughts? What if I am what hears and sees the thoughts? The awareness within which the thoughts are appearing, like the sky metaphor. I am like the sky, and the the thoughts are the clouds that move through the sky. So one of the things that can be really helpful when we're um, trying to recognize we're thinking, which is not always so easy to do because of that you know, permeability and the merging that happens with our thinking, is to kind of recognize um, there are different kinds of thinking. And we all think in different ways, actually. So... Who hears? Who here thinks in images? You see images in your mind. Not everybody, right? Some people sometimes, some people like this. Like, okay, maybe like this. Who thinks in images? Not very much, a little bit, a lot, all the time. Right? Right? There you go. <laughs> right? Okay. So that's one way we think. Who hears words being spoken? Ah, okay. So some people are up here, and other people who were up here before are now here, or down here, right? So there's that's the auditory, the hearing of the, the speaking is one way we think, not the only way. Um, there's also kind of can be a subtle layer of thinking that's kind of almost like this is one I've been working with lately. It's, it's almost like an opaque feeling or image in the background that just is enough to generate an emotional response in the body. It's sort of like, it's like, a, for me, uh, what I've noticed, the best way I can describe it is like knowing there's a yellow light flashing 
caution, caution, <laughs> you know, just like, so then there's this feeling in the body of like, oh, uh, you know, I, uh, what do I need to be paying attention to, you know, uh-oh, uh-oh, like, and that's, you know, there's not, um, when I look in my mind and I watch in my mind, it's not like I'm sitting around talking. There's no conversation happening. Maybe every once in a while a word or two or a, th- a sentence might string together, but it's just more of this like holding of this perspective, right? A sense. What, what else have you noticed about thinking? Have you noticed any other ways that you think? Yeah. Imagining myself doing things in the future, and then I can catch myself and like, oh, I'm not here. I'm trying on different scenarios. Yeah, great. So I like uh, the movie-making mind. It's how I tend to, and I'm the star of the show, you know. Like, I'm trying on things and I'm imagining them and how it's going to go and how I'm going to respond to this or that. So rehearsing or or visualizing. And this can be very powerful, actually. It can be really, really helpful. It also can be really harmful, right? And we can get lost. And almost sometimes I feel like I'm working with people and it's almost like they're living in that instead of in the real world. Yeah. I see heads nodding. Yeah. yeah, I feel like just even having more spaciousness from that yeah. is useful. So maybe when I want to be there, I can. But yes. being aware, and if I choose to not being there. Yes, yes, beautiful. Okay. You want to say something? Yeah, so um, it was very interesting to hear this third, like, as you said, third way uh, that you mentioned, like holding on to something a little bit. Like I, I often find myself like I have a combination. I maybe have an image and a couple of keywords. Yeah, it's like a little cluster. Yeah, uh, and it represents a topic for me. And I don't really hear sentences or see yeah. like a sequence of images. I just have this cluster. Yeah, and it comes to my mind, and and it's kind of there. Yeah. And uh, I don't even know what exactly is happening, but I can can recognize a cluster of, um, yeah. you know, these data points. Yeah. A mix of words. and. and That's right. Absolutely. So this is what, um, you know, thinking is different for us. It's also uh, when we have memories versus when we're imagining it can be different. When we hear somebody else's voice versus our own voice, sometimes we don't even notice our own narrator because it's so normal to us. It's just like we don't even recognize we're meditating and talking to ourselves. Okay, just keep breathing, keep breathing. You know, which is a you know we're we're trying to keep we're trying to help ourselves, but we're actively thinking and narrating, right? So that's another form of it, and sometimes we need it. Right. So, but but still being able to recognize that that's what's happening is thinking can be very very helpful, liberating um, too. You know. So, let's do a little bit of practice. Yeah. So, finding a meditation posture that supports you being in, in your body, in your body here in this space, in this time. And, you know, taking your time to get comfortable. 
to adjust your posture, right? And to find maybe something like lifting the shoulders up, rolling them back to help counter the forward and closing habits we have. Oh, and just let the breath come in. So feeling that sense of uprightness, but relaxed in a position and posture that you feel you can hold for 15 minutes. And seeing if you can't start to connect more deeply with whatever your anchor is. And we've been using, referencing in general, the breath is the anchor. So taking a, a few minutes to help ourselves settle, like when we come into the harbor in our boat, we find the right spot, and then we lower an anchor into the water, and it takes a while to lower it down, and then we've got to kind of pull on it a bit and make sure it's nice and firmly caught. And then you can feel the tension pulling on the anchor, holding the boat in place. And so as we cultivate that, our connection to the breathing, if that's our anchor, it starts to feel like that anchor, the tug, the rope that's connected to the anchor in the b- bottom of the ocean that's holding us here. The water's moving, things are happening, sounds, and there's that feeling of connection to right here, right here. And it just happens one breath at a time, one sensation at a time. And maybe like if you were a sailor on this boat and you put your anchor down and you tug on the rope and you know you've got the anchor kind of settled, there's a feeling of trust that can come up. A feeling of like, okay, okay. Okay. So inviting this sense of okayness, the sense of I've taken care of my body, my presence, I'm orienting myself to the practice. And then noticing the attitude and the way you're speaking to yourself might be a form of thinking. And see if there's some kindness, invite some kindness in there. Some kind orienting, kind thinking, invitational, Let me just be here breath by breath.
at some point, you'll find yourself thinking, Yay, mindfulness of thinking. Yeah, here I am seeing a thought. Yay, I see a thought. It's okay. Thoughts happen. We don't have to stop them. Let them be those clouds moving through the sky. Some of the things that can help us with that are to distinguish the kind of thinking that's happening. So maybe just, oh, talking, or seeing, or movies. So just first, oh, subtle background thinking. Just sort of first noticing what kind of thinking it is. Kind of the process of thinking that's happening in this mind at this moment. The second thing that we can be aware of that's different than the process of thinking is the content. So you might just say, oh, story, or remembering, or planning, or just just somehow noting the content. It might need to be named lightly labeled. Sometimes the thoughts just kind of keep moving and slipping through, and sometimes they kind of stick around. They they feel sticky. And so sometimes if that's happening, you might say, is there an emotion connected here with this thought? Is there a physical sensation in the body connected to this thought? And if it feels really, really sticky in your little engine that could and your power in those thinking thoughts, it can be helpful to consider dropping the anchor back into the ocean and reconnecting with the breath, reestablishing that anchor, breathing here, right here. And then once we reconnect to the breathing, when we're ready, 
we can more just sort of open up again a little bit more gently just watching for that next little puff of a cloud how is it showing up what's the process of thinking that's happening maybe noting the content maybe noting planning remembering imagining and see if you can just breathe right into it and through it being gentle and kind, patient. Maybe thinking's not me. It's not who I am. Thinking is happening. Thinking is here. Thought is here. The mind's job is to think. Thinking just is something that happens. It's natural.
Maybe just dropping in the question, what am I aware of now? So, what did you, what did you experience? What did you learn about the mind and how it's thinking or engaging with thinking tonight, in the last 15 minutes? Hello, good evening. Sorry I was late. Um, I noticed that I was noticing that I was thinking a lot. Um, apart from that, too, just with the meditation practice, I found that I can, um, if, if guided or not guided, I'm having, it's nicer, to. It's, it's easier for me to be able to just sit with it and not try to resist or force anything. But still when thoughts or emotions arise, I can still find myself in the midst of it, in the midst of it, rather than being the observer of my thoughts. So I, I'm still trying to practice it, practice that. But meditation has helped me with the awareness. Sweet, sweet. How does it feel different to to be more aware and less less entangled? I would say I remember in one of the talks, the sessions I had attended with you on. A Sunday, like holding on to things, like whether it be enemies or something, it's if by letting go of that, how does it make you feel? And this week at work, at one point, I could just almost imagine myself like seeing what would happen if I reacted in a way that mm-hmm. was rea- more so reactive rather than responsive. And I'm like, oh, that was the first time I had ever had a chance to do that. And it's good, but and it would not have happened had I not had I not been doing this, wow. had, had I not been meditating. But it's still a, a practice that I had it's every day. And you know, yesterday I was still pretty upset about something, and I just had. But I also had to let myself like be in in that emotion and not resist it too, because. If I kept fighting it, I'm like, okay, I know I'm upset right now and I'm frustrated, but what can I do with it? And as Gil, in, in the handout from Gil, like you, you kind of just have to be with that emotion, I think, or be with it and not force anything. So, thank yeah. you. It reminds me of talking about the river. 
being the riverbed, right? Letting the emotions move through. Yeah, beautiful. What I noticed is when the resistance comes up, the more you pay attention to it, uh, or the more you try to avoid it, the stronger it gets. Yes. That's what happened for me. It's the more I try to tell myself, you know, stop resisting, stop stop paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. Don't look at the elephant in the room. The more I wanted to stare at the elephant in the room. And about halfway through, when I remembered what you said about the foreground and the background, yeah, all of a sudden, the observer came to the foreground and the thoughts went into the background and I felt more relaxed immediately. I felt like when I stopped resisting, things got easier. But I also feel like it, we're trained our whole lives to think, to, you know, to do something, to be doing something, to be thinking about something. To, it is very difficult to, t- to tell yourself not to think about things. Yeah. And I also want to know about that children's book. Is that a book that I can buy for my someday grandchildren? Or is that a made-up book? No, this is a real book. Um, I think I bought it at Spirit Rock, but um, I'm sure you can, you can find it online. It was right. done by Myla and John Kabat-Zinn. So you're welcome to come up and look at it, take a picture of the cover. and Yeah, absolutely. Please do. Everybody should be reading this to their I children. I think so, too. I think so, too. Thank you. Why don't you take this one? Hi. One thing I noticed as I was noting each of these different thoughts, um, at first there seemed to me so many different thoughts. And eventually I realized they were all variations on a core thought, which would be sort of a core belief, I suppose, but I, I had never thought of that before, that a, that a belief is sort of a core thought um, that keeps repeating itself, in a, looking in a million different ways. So now I felt like I can see that thought disguised as all of these other manifestations. Oh, that's so wonderful. It's like, uh, it's like all these variations are like the leaves. And somehow there was a recognition that they were all pointing back down the branches to the something in the trunk of the tree. What was that like for you, when, uh, what, or what, what happened? It, 
it made it much easier not to um, hop on the thought train of this or the thought train of that. Um, and it, it helped me um, you know, stay more centered. And I, I started hearing that one thought um, rather than 50, 60 different thoughts. I could hear it more clearly. Um, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you so much. to share something too um, so I noticed uh, that at one point I was I was lost and probably not for a long but it was very obvious okay and and I immediately and I kn- why I noticed I don't know how like what basically I, I noticed that because I felt shame I felt shame and okay that's because I was lost and then I, I, something interesting happened. I noticed how I, my mind was like ready to jump on the shame thing and, and go there. And like, oh, that's because, well, I'm not supposed to be lost. It's a short guided meditation and Tani is guiding us, right? <laughs> and I'm a good meditator. I'm not supposed to be lost <laughs> like that. And, and what is interesting, I noticed this you know, I'm kind of prepared, my mind prepared me for this new, <laughs> you know, cycle uh, around the shame. And I just kind of, okay, that's what's happening. And it, I felt really amused. <laughs> it was, it was actually quite amusing that I noticed that. So, so it was actually a very pleasant experience to see how these things happened in a sequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to appreciate the the clarity of observation of process. And you hanging in there, uh, the place you ended up was a friendly relationship with what, what could have been a really um, juicy, captivating uh, thought train to get onto. Um, yeah, nice, nice. Thank you. Shall we go ahead? Yeah, I'll just add, um, it's very obvious what I'm going to say. Super, super obvious. But the main thing that, you know, one of the main things that I heard that for me would have helped me was you. there was disbelief. There was a, a, that space of like, I'm not just believing this thought. This thought is, doesn't have to be a fact. Mm-hmm. It, do, it It's a thought that's being produced and... Oh, I can see where it's going to take me, but I don't have to go there, which is so empowering, right? So freeing. The cover of the book says it all. (laughs) You are not your thoughts. Oh, yeah. For us meditators, too. (laughs) The identity of good meditator. So the experience of thinking and our relationship to thinking. Little engine that could driving up the hill, we're in the thought. 
other options for a relationship to thinking. I get to introduce one of the classic IMC analogies uh, now. I'd like you to imagine, maybe you're out taking a walk. It's the end of the, end of the week. You're out taking a walk somewhere in the, say on a trail, brought a little snack with you. You have everything you need. And um, you're feeling quite happy and you find yourself under a tree by a riverside and you decide to sit down. Just, uh, you can feel the air on your skin. The light is just right. The temperature is comfortable. You want for nothing. Just perfectly content right there as you are. Watching the river go by. How pleasant. So there you are seated and before you know it, up the stream comes one of these party boats. Yeah? The music, the decor, the dancing. Maybe they have a jazz band on board or something. And before you know it, you're on the boat. How did that happen? You're dancing away. You're dressed differently having a great time. And then you realize, oh, I'm a little tired from dancing. Oh, wait, I was sitting under that tree that was so lovely. Okay, I'm going to make my way back. So somehow or another, you make your way off the boat, back back up the trail, sit down in your tree. So nice. So nice, just there, just right here, not carried along, just watching the flow go by. And then comes a battleship. And before you know it, you're on the fighting boat. Little surprise, you're the, you're the hero. You're the star of this show. Or, alternately, you're hiding in the hull. But you're on this battleship. And you're on it for months. Maybe. Maybe. Then you realize, oh, where was I? Where am I? Oh, I have lost, I've lost the riverbank. I'm going to get off this boat, go back, sit down. Ah, here I am. So glad to not be dancing, any, dancing on this party boat. I'm so glad not to be fighting. I'm just here. Just here. Here for a while, and then comes this meager, barely a raft. It's like like sticks tied together with a little grass that's hardly holding up. And before you know it, you're on the raft and you're like, oh, I can barely float. How did that happen? How did that happen before we know it? Before we know it, we're on the raft. Then we recognize and make our way back. Just to hear, just to hear again. Such an apt analogy for the varieties of really juicy thoughts that can captivate us, some of our favorites, right? And the relationship that we can have with them. Before we even realize, we've hopped right on the boat and we're riding right along. We're going for the ride. We're the little engine that could going up the hill. But there's another option, another option we can exercise with the practice, and that is just sitting under the tree, just being content here, just here. 
we see a boat coming down, we can have the intention, oh, there's a boat. I know that I could get on it, but how many boats have I gotten on? This one time, I'm, I'm going to try just watching it go by. And you know what? You got to stay right here. Stay right here. So some little bit of wise relationship to thinking. Where we don't necessarily get taken over. To develop these ideas about thinking, something I really want to make sure we talk about, meditation gets kind of a bad rap in meditation circles. Thinking gets a bad rap in meditation circles. Don't you find that's true? Or maybe some of you have heard that. Uh, Being around meditation communities for the years that I have been, so many, so many times I've heard Oh, uh, you know, meditation is not for me. I can never get my mind to stop thinking. There's this understanding that, like, uh, meditation is only when there's no thinking going on. Or meditation gets uh, uh, seen as the problem. Or I keep saying meditation when I mean thinking. (laughs) Uh, Excuse me. Thinking. Thinking gets seen as the problem. Nothing gets left out, mindfulness meditation. Thinking is such an important part of our experience. So I wanted to give a little time to recognize and respect thinking, and it's, it's uh, actually fruitful and really powerful influence in our lives. I was, um, I was taking a walk just this afternoon, and I noticed a block over there's one of these um, uh, like give-and-take-a-book. You know what I mean? And I thought, how much, how much joy, how much, how much depth and profundity in our life has, been, has come to us through books? Every Shakespeare play, thoughts. Every poem you've ever read that's touched you, those are thoughts. They get documented and they represent something. They've had an influence on our lives. Every speech by Martin Luther King thoughts. What an important part of our lives. This too gets to be included. Our whole life gets to be here. I think something this is closely connected with is that, of course, thoughts, they have their, they have their uh, place in meditation, they have their difficulties, but often they're pointing at something else really valuable in our experience. Oftentimes, a thought, as we've been exploring, might be connected to an emotion underneath. Or a thought might point us back to some core belief or an identity that we have. Maybe a thought connects us to something in our body or it arises based on something in our body. All these different connections in our lives that thoughts may be pointing back to. So in some ways, a thought might be a signpost. When I, was a, when I was a boy, I, was, um, I, I grew up in a place where it was very warm, and I was learning how to water ski. If anyone's learned how to water ski, you pretty much hold onto a, a rope, and you have these two boards on your feet, and the boat goes, and if everything goes according to plan, you go up on the water and you stand and ski. You know, it's lovely. I was, I was quite young, and I was learning. 
So got my rope, I got my little skis, the boat starts to take off, and I stumble and I hang on to the rope. I didn't want to let go. And before I knew it, I was under the water. I was still tenacious. I was like, I'm not letting go. <laughs> it's just like that with thinking sometimes. Just like that. Sometimes we think the thoughts, and sometimes the thoughts really think us. Sometimes the thoughts take us for a ride. And that, um, that can contribute to all sorts of difficulties and complications in our lives. So again, this wise relationship to thinking. Being able to have some, some wise space from our thinking. Or even to pick up the boat analogy again. Say we wanted to um, engage some thought. Say the, uh, the party boat comes down and we're like, okay, I'm deliberately going to pick up this thought and I'm going to dance on this. I'm, gonna, I'm going to artfully dance with this thought. And then when the time comes, I'm going to get off the boat. But doing it with some choice. Some choice. I was talking to someone recently who's, um, who's been, I think she's been practicing for maybe 40 years, practicing mindfulness practice. And she said the thing that she has gotten from the practice that she appreciates the most is that now she has an affectionate relationship with her mind. An affectionate relationship with her mind. And that, that opens up some, some possibilities in, uh, I don't know about you, but in me and my, my heart and mind for this practice with mindfulness of thinking. How we can get wrapped up in our identities and really suffer our thinking. Or there can be the possibility, friendship with our thinking, kindness with our thinking, goodwill toward our thinking, and freedom with it. Freedom with it. Maybe one last comment. We've talked about a lot of different aspects of mindfulness of thinking. An important thing that Tanya said that I want to highlight, it's not about getting busy around our thinking. It's still about simple awareness. Awareness with what's right here. So say we're practicing with the anchor of the breathing and the thinking can just be there in the background and we can stay with the breathing. Let's continue with that. If a thought is persistent uh, or compelling, maybe then turn toward it and investigate its process. What's its beginning and ending? What's its quality? What's the tone of voice like? If it's really repetitive, is there something physical going on? Is there an emotion underneath? Is there something fueling the thinking? You might turn toward that. All the while, just a simple relationship with thinking. So why don't we do a little more practice together? You can take a moment to renew your posture.
finding yourself upright with an alert spine, a relaxed body, maybe opening the chest. Feeling your way into alignment through the body with the support of the breathing. Allowing the earth, allowing the seat to hold your weight. To invite a little relaxation into the limbs. Having a minute to connect with your anchor, perhaps the breathing. A breath comes in, a breath goes out. A thought comes in, a thought goes out. As thoughts begin to blow through like clouds, if they can stay in the background, just to allow them to pass by.
if you find that there is a thought that's persistent, perhaps giving it a name, planning, planning. Replaying, replaying. If you recognize a thought has visited you many times before, hmm. repeat, repeat, maybe giving it a name. And perhaps something in us can trust that it's okay to not pick up this thought this time. As we bring this sitting to a close, a moment to notice, just now, what is my relationship to this present thought, to this present thinking? As you hear the bell, when you're ready, you can open your eyes.
assume an affectionate relationship to the mind? Maybe so. Maybe so. How is the practice for you? Are there any uh, questions coming up? Or any comments you'd like to share? Hello. Well, I was having a, a coughing fit, but I, at the, at the same time, I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm finally getting comfortable sitting on the, you know, meditating on the floor. And yeah. I've been practicing, like, sometimes I do a mix of uh, on sitting on the chair and on the floor. And I'm like, okay, in the midst of all this, 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 these coughing spasms, I'm like, I can still find myself anchored to the fact that I'm breathing in and breathing out. And so I'm like, it's okay. It, it'll, I could still still my, I, I thought it was kind of representative or symbolic of the mind too. And, you know, Kodo, as you said, getting on, or give, finding yourself on that ship, you know, I, I, I do get on the ship a lot or whatever the raft or a sinking ship sometimes, but, <laughs> but it's, I do want to stay under the tree, under the Bodhi tree. I really do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's a free ride, and <laughs> it is very, it is very seductive to just. But I don't. But then I, I, before that, before meditation, I know I, I would just easily hop on. But I, I know now there's a bit of hesitation, but in a good way, like, you know, like Anne Rose, if you get on that, it's. You know what's going to happen, so pause, mm-hmm. pause for a bit, or just breathe. And I really like this practice. I've been able to extend it to others, or the whole loving kindness. Put your hand over your heart, and just like you know, I'm you know, I have everything I need, mm-hmm. and it's 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 really cool. So I'm very grateful for to this and for you and for Tanya and for you, Goro, for helping me with that. Mm. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your practice. There's so much, um, so much to appreciate there. Um, and one one thing that's standing out to me is that there's there's such a variety of experiences happening, and all of it gets to be included. All of it gets to be included in the awareness practice. It seems really skillful. Some of the ways you were relating to both having a bodily experience in the foreground and the background. Even bodily experience can be related to that way, not just thoughts in the background. So thank you for revealing that. Thank you. Um, What I find sometimes is when I am sitting like this to meditate, I'm actually more still than in my regular life. My my thoughts are really going through my mind really fast. And sometimes they can feel disturbing if they're upsetting thoughts. And I notice that I notice it in my body first. I may not even realize that I'm thinking um, thoughts that don't serve me. But then I start to have like almost like a pain here in the solar plexus area. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, when I sit, um, and I have done meditation before, I just wanted to come tonight. But when I sit, I um, 
sometimes I'm in a, a quieter space. So I almost feel like I need to like stop and meditate when I'm getting in that whirlwind that's not serving me. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times that whirlwind is not happening when I'm sitting. So, sure. you know, obviously if you go to like a retreat where you're sitting all day, <laughs> you're going to get the whirlwind. But I, I just I just thought it was an interesting observation on my part that I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm sitting here now I feel really comfortable and at ease and nothing disturbing is coming into my mind. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I don't know. I mean, what, what do you think of that and how to work with that? It sounds like it's restful. It sounds like it's nourishing. And so when we're offered good food, eat it, enjoy it, let yourself be aware that that's your experience. Right. But I was just thinking of when it's the opposite yeah. and I'm okay. not meditating, okay. how to deal with that. Yeah. Well, um, are you familiar with any of Andrea Fella's teachings? No. So... She, if you're interested in, her, in in this, she does a lot of teaching about being mindful of the mind in daily life. Okay. So you might look at um, sort of simply, first of all, are you aware of what the five hindrances are? Yeah. Okay. So when you have a lot going on your mind, in your mind, you might just stop and go, okay, what hindrances are at work here? Mm-hmm. Kind of, or what emotions are at Because they're the fuel, right? They're, they're the... They're the um, the lighter fluid, mm-hmm. right? That's really catching and burning things, keeping it going. And so then you can start to like, uh, hopefully, have a little more awareness in the midst of it. A little more awareness. Oh, there's a lot of aversion. And then, you know, you you said you were aware of your body. So just like you said, it, I loved what you said about. I'm often become aware of my thinking through my body. Yes. And that, to me, is a really powerful practice, mindfulness of the body. You could even cultivate that during your daily life, being more tuned in, more consciously active uh, mindfulness of the body practice. And then as you notice tension, you might start to notice things sooner. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe time to bring it to a, yeah. a close already. Yeah. So there is a few people came in late. There is a handout on the end of the stage that has um, some a good overview and some uh, homework suggestions. Um, so this week we're encouraging you to bump up your practice to 30 minutes. Did we do that last week, actually? I think we, we did. We did. Okay. So 30 minutes, and um, if you can sit that out one time, great. If you need to break it up, great. Um, you know, just if you can make that amount of practice, it, it's helpful. Um, and and then during the practice and even just during your daily life, just kind of noticing more your thoughts and your beliefs, just getting a little bit more familiar and what's repetitive and what comes up, what tends to fuel a lot more energy or upset. There's um, a suggestion to do a two-hour period of tracking different kinds of thoughts, just sort of 
taking a couple hours to keep, oh, thinking is still happening with imagining, visualizing, movie making, uh, um, words, talking, you know, just sort of keep kind of, oh, type of thinking, right? Tracking that. Um, And then there's a suggestion to do two-hour period of tracking of intentions. And we didn't really talk about intentions tonight. So um, I didn't read the handout. Do you, did you reread the handout before? Not before today. So I'm not sure what it says in there about intentions. So if it's not clear, don't worry about it, and we can talk more another time. Um, and then I'll just repeat I really liked this question, just dropping it in. If I'm not my thoughts, what if I'm what hears and sees the thoughts? Just kind of playing with that a little bit. Just sort of dropping that question in. What if I'm what hears and sees the thoughts? Just seeing how that lands. And may this time together be of benefit to you and of benefit to all the people you come in contact with, and then the people they come in contact with, and so on and so forth. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. And Koda and I will be here if you have any questions afterwards or you want to take a picture of the book. All right? Thank you. Thanks so much.